Welcome to the Realtel Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Downs, the founder and CEO of the Realtel, and we're on a mission to improve retail customer experience, to measure website speed and design, quality of product information, cart and checkout experience, post-purchase communication, fulfillment and packaging, customer services quality, and overall sustainability of products and packaging. If you're interested in learning more about the Realtel Customer Experience Report, just go to www.itworks.company forward slash the Realtel, and there you can find more information and some examples of the Customer Experience Report. Today, we're going to be talking about customer loyalty and the data that underpins it. In my experience, customer loyalty means different things to different retailers, and I really want to get to the bottom of what makes a good loyalty program. What does it deliver for the retailer and what does it deliver for the customer? And why do I need one? Now, I've been struggling to find someone suitably qualified and with the appropriate depth of experience to really get under the hood of a great loyalty program and answer these fundamental questions. I was delighted to present a webinar recently with Anna Samkova, Group GM of Digital at the PAS Group. And we had a brief but enthusiastic conversation, I would say, about loyalty. And 24 hours later, Anna was urgently invited to come and join me on this podcast today to talk about loyalty. So Anna, thanks very much and welcome to The Real Tale. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, that's great to have you. So I've been trying to find someone for a long time, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. So let's let's, let's get into it. So I've got a really basic definition of loyalty program. I just want to kind of work out whether I'm right or wrong and how wrong probably is the the, the question. So look, my, my understanding is that a loyalty program is almost kind of like an agreement where, where a, a, a retailer pays the consumer, and whether that's in coupons or points or whatever it might be, to allow them access to that consumer's personal shopping data so that they can engineer information to kind of identify wants or needs that the consumer didn't know that they had in order to be able to offer them you know, products and services. So is, is that what a loyalty program fundamentally about? How far off the mark am I, in your opinion? Yeah, probably in the past, Paul. I think the definition's been uh, refined uh, in the, especially in the last 12 months where it's, we have a more personalized approach to it. So, and I think it's twofold. For businesses, it may look like a data collection and to a degree it is because you just want to know who your customers are and how you can reach out to them. But for us, it's also that you're going back to that customer-centric approach. So what? how can we serve our customers better? And unless you uh, put it all in a unified um, program where you understand who your consumers are, you can't do that, right? You can't yeah. build meaningful relationship with them. So you can call it loyalty, you can call it customer centricity, whatever it is, as long as you look after your customers in the most relevant and personalized way, that's that's the approach. This is my view. Yeah, so uh, that's broadly how I see it rather than, because some programs that I've noticed here where you have to pay to be part, and I'm kind of, my, my sense, I'm generally horrified that I have to pay money for, for a retailer to c- capture my personal data to then sell me more stuff, being really sort of blunt about it. But I think, yeah, that really it is about capturing that data so that they can better, like you say, better serve you, you know, however we want to define that personalization or customer centricity, but almost to kind of, by looking at your data, work out what you need and probably know more about you than you know about yourself. 
you know, specific vertical. Okay, well, that's good. So I wasn't too far off the mark. No, you're not. But you're right about the subscription model because this is a very ongoing trend these, uh, these days, very upcoming, not necessarily here in Australia, but in the US where you have to pay. And I think Amazon leads that way with Prime subscription. And I think their adoption is astronomical, right? So it's about, it sits at around 88% right now. And so there is a, there is a place for the subscription model, but you have to offer an, an extraordinary value in order to charge customers. Yeah. Well, that's actually, that's interesting with Amazon Prime here, because I think we had that conversation on the shipping podcast that I did, that I bought something from Amazon Prime at 10 o'clock at night, and it was on the doorstep at 7 a.m. in the morning. Now, that's worth paying subscription 100%. for. Yeah, there's that convenience. If you hit that right. mark with convenience yeah. and speed and good value, then, um, yes, the customers will pay for it. But if you can't do that, then sure, better not um, scare them off. Okay. So, look, I'm, I'm a lover in, in, in my business when I go in and, and talk to retailers. I love metrics because that kind of tells you what's going on. And the re- real tale itself report is but based off metrics that measure end-to-end customer experience. So when it comes to loyalty, what are the metrics that retailers should be interested in? What, what's going to tell them how effective their loyalty program is? It's a very good question, Paul. I think we both mentioned on the same podcast um, um, the fact that if you can identify your higher value customers, your top spenders, and the ones that uh, don't spend with you as much and uh, determine the customer lifetime value, this is the number one metrics I would recommend to, to start with. So uh, the top spenders, what channels they engage with you on, how much they spend, what is their customer lifetime value, and then go deeper into the next layer. How often people shop with you, what channels they shop, what promotion they engage with you on, because you'll find there will be multiple hundreds of customer profiles that behave very, very differently within your whole um, database. And you need to identify who they are because you can't treat them exactly the same way. That's going back to that point about relevancy and personalization. Sure, sure. So for us, what we, we track uh, who active customers are, because you may have millions of um, people on a database, but it doesn't mean that all of them shop with you within the 12-month period, how quickly they disengage with you when they do shop, how much they spend and across which category. I think it's also important to understand because can you upsell them with something that is uh, relevant to what they shop with you already? And can you upsell another items that may complement their usual purchase? And uh, I think it's as important to track who your spenders are. It's very important to understand why people disengage with you and run the surveys around it at the exit point. So we have win back campaigns and uh, they've been very successful for us. We literally recover hundreds of thousands of dollars within a couple of months, even from the latest campaign. But uh, because top spenders are the ones who keep coming back, you don't have to work as hard on that as long as you obviously provide them with that um, experience that they crave and that to boost that engagement and um, uh, communicate with them in the way they want to hear from you. And it's not an easy, easy job. It's hard. So that's why not many people do it, but it's very rewarding. Sure. So I get that as far as the performance of the program. But I'm just trying to think, you know, how do you, are there any metrics around the actual program itself? So for people listening to this that haven't got a loyalty program, like how do you go about 
constructing one in the first place. And are there any are there any metrics around that that we should focus on? I would recommend looking at what your customers are doing right now. And for that, you obviously need to have a unified customer view. You know, we spoke about yeah. a single customer yeah. view that allows you to understand what your customers are doing. I don't recommend uh, go and build the program just for the sake of having the program. Mm. I recommend building around your existing customer behaviors. Yeah. And if you can dive into it and you can unpack it, then it will be easier for you to construct the program around those behaviors to enhance that experience with the brand. Oh, okay. All right. That's interesting. So you're kind of testing and so you're kind of testing and learning in order to build out programs for specific, what let's call segments of of behavior within your custom base. Of course. Otherwise, you have to provide value to them in order for them to stay in the program. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They therefore you have to have that roadmap of that value building around their engagement. Otherwise, they will join for the sake of the, that welcome discount and then they unsubscribe. So that's not true loyalty. No, no I agree. So therefore, so is that so is that something that evolves then over to, because it's not, you know, as comes on my next question, it's kind of around the technology of kind of like, well, what, you know, is there a, loyalty program technology sat on the shelf that you buy and it's got all the points like how but i think what i'm hearing is actually through and a lot of re, i mean a lot of retailers have email marketing right they send many emails a week um, with different promotions but if i'm hearing you properly it's kind of understanding is, is segmenting understanding how engaged those customers are with those promotions and then maybe doing more of those and building that out into a program that you would track over time is that right well, you're, you're absolutely right, because uh, D2C uh, businesses, we operate across point of sale and e-commerce platforms and ERP and customer service and email and websites and so much more. Yeah. And because we sit across so many different platforms, the whole experience can look disconnected if you do not have the way yeah. to join and stitch the pieces together. Or oh, I can feel it's edging towards the CDP conversation in a minute. You, yes, you're absolutely right, because you know that I'm a big fan. I actually have not found the way to do it otherwise. So for us, that's, that's how we achieved that uh, unified approach to our customer centricity. But um, yes, we can, we, we, we can touch on that. But, um, you know, otherwise you have fragmented data sitting across all these platforms. And to your point, yes, everyone has the email platform. Yeah. But so you have customers who just transact at the point of sale in your stores and don't share their email addresses with you. What, how do you approach them at the point of sale in your stores and don't share their email addresses with you? What, how do you approach them? Yeah. And everything in between, you have guest yeah. checkouts, you have only customers' SMSs, for example. You have customers who just opted in to receive your browser notification. So it could be quite mm. disjointed if you don't mm. have the way to unify all this information. Yeah, yeah. And do you have, I mean, like you operate, I haven't, I mean, I haven't looked at the loyalty program that you're operating, but do, do you have points? I mean, is that a, a system in that program whereby, I guess, certain activity, whatever it is with its points or coupons, but unlocks unlocks access to another set of benefits so that you're kind of tacitly upselling by offering greater benefits, you know, whether it's a number of transactions, total value or whatever it might be. Do you do, you do that? 
We do. So I look after, and my team, we look after six retail brands and uh, yeah. each brand has a very different demographic as well. So, mm-hmm. and yep. each loyalty program is, looks very different. So our yeah. biggest retail brands is Black Pepper and Review. And Review's mm-hmm. sweet demographics, it's around 42 female years of age. Yep. And then Black Pepper, I'll be looking at men and women 60 plus. So it's very different how we approach yep slightly older demographic to how we yeah. approach younger demographics. So they're not based on points. They are based on transactions within a certain period of time and we reward them based on that amount that they spent with us. Within each loyalty program, we do have separate category where uh, we include uh, only top spenders and we do know what their total spend is and we treat them very differently. But it's only, let's, let's say, a few hundreds of people, but just the, those few hundred of people, it's a very small amount, but they contribute overall to about 10% of total retail sales, which is a mm. huge number. Yeah, yeah. So then that kind of leads into the tech conversation about well, where does the, pro- the loyalty program sit? Is it Does it not sit in one place? So if you're, you know, for one one brand where you say you've, you've got a different loyalty program from another uh, that may be based on the number of transactions where does those numbers actually sit do, do you have a loyalty application measures those customers or a set of rules that's then applied through from your e-com system and marketing system that will then trigger specific offer via an email for example sure we do have different systems so for yeah. black app for example we use a native ap21 platform that yeah. uh, offers loyalty, so that triggers uh, uh, all the the communication and behavior from there. Right. But for review, we use uh, a bespoke platform that was built for us that triggers all those rewards automatically as well. So the program is completely automated, but it's fully yeah. integrated through our tech stack. Right. Okay. So that's just a bespoke customization. Correct. And it's integrated through point of sale just to align that client selling point. And it's integrated through the loyalty app. And um, as you know, the integration is quite complex. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I was going to summarize that for people listening to this to take away, it's kind of like if you've got a retail management system that's got a loyalty application built into it, then you could have a look at what that could do for you. It's probably better to work out what your program best serves your customers and then have a look at how you can achieve that within your retail management system. If you can't, then it is okay to kind of build that, customize that, because it's effectively the logic that will then trigger actions either on your point of sale, on the point of sale, or across your e-com platform. Yeah, absolutely correct. It is a logic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. So, okay. So that, that, that kind of is clearer for me now. So let's talk about CDPs, because I know we talked about this or customer data platforms for, for people who don't know what a CDP is. Now, we kind of broached on this subject because we were talking about, I think I interjected with what's the difference between a CRM and a customer data platform. So I've got my view, but I'd be interested to, to get your definition of, of the difference between the two, because there seems to be there seems to be a reasonable amount of confusion in my, in my take when I talk to my clients. You are absolutely right, because there is not a higher adoption of uh, CDP across the businesses, but it is a relatively good understanding what CRM system is supposed to do. What I can tell you, the bigger differentiator for me, the CDP is not your reporting tool. This is your customer behavior tracking tool, and it's easy to access a hub of information that across all the departments in your business. 
everyone from marketers to loyalty people to digital can have access to this accessible hub of uh, your data without asking the help from your already busy IT uh, team or your BI team if you're lucky to have it or from your expensive external consultants. So that's an easy interface uh, access to your data that gets updated in real time and uh, gives you an opportunity to see uh, how you can uh, engage with your customers, which audience, at what point in, t- uh, in time, on what channel, and it can be also a very good customer acquisition tool. So it serves all these uh, applications at once. So it depends on your objective. So if you want to track your top spenders, if you want to send your win back campaigns and track your labs customers, if you want to acquire your customers based on your lookalike audiences within your existing social media channels, you can do that. So it's easily accessible. Is this your understanding? Yes-ish. So for for me as CRM, I'll just go, so CRM is a single repository for all your customer data, right? So as digital, and I, I, you know, as, as the digital footprint across organizations has grown and the applications have grown, we have more disparate sources of customer data. So you've got customer data in, let's say Zendesk, so your customer um, customer service tool. You've got customer data in your e-com platform. You've got customer data in your point of sale. And, and you'll have uh, customer behavior data in your social media. So you've got all these pockets of customer data. And so for the, me, the CRM is kind of like trying to pull all that into one place. And it's very difficult to do because all of these data sources have different data structures and without getting down into the nitty gritty of, of the integration, you've got to kind of harmonize that data. So when you pull it all together, it kind of makes sense. And I think that's when, when I look at the lack of CRM in businesses, I think they cut, and a, n- a number of them have tried to do it, but they struggle because it's a really difficult job to kind of harmonise all the data and then do all the integrations to get it into one into one place. And really, CRM, I actually don't think are built. The ones I've seen, anyway, not they're, they're kind of built for more B two B businesses rather than direct consumer. The ones I've seen, so th- it's trying to make it do a job that it's not been really built to do. Whereas the CDP, in my view. Surfaces of the the integrations are done. Surfaces all that information, so they don't say, "Look, we're going to do a big project to kind of normalise this and get it all into one place." We will just hook in all of that data from those disparate locations. We'll do the hard yards about working out how we present it to you, but allow you to very easily segment that data in order to give you insights and then trigger the execution across different technologies. So let's just say email platform because it's nice and easy then that can, we can work something out and that may be in real time and then send a trigger to an email platform that will then send out a predetermined email communication to that customer. Beautifully put. In other words, it creates that single source of truth for yes. your business, a CDP. Yeah. Yes, e- yeah, like absolutely e- right. More easily than if you try and do it through a CRM. Yes, absolutely. And it's like unlike traditional channel-focused data management system that the CDP reorganizes data to support a customer-centric business model. So again, when every team in your organization has the ability to self-serve that customer insights based on that data. So I think it's very powerful. So if you haven't got one already, right, so you should be looking, so so to direct-to-consumer retailers, you should be looking at a CDP rather than a CRM. That would be my recommendation, Paul. 
we've had CDPNR for over three years, so we were very well set up uh, for the in the pre-pandemic and the pandemic world. We launched the CDP when people didn't even know how to spell it at that point in time, because yeah. we strongly believe that wanted to create that model when we say that we are customer centric, that we meant it. And it's revolutionized the way we looked after our customers. Our engagement uh, grew by at least 60%. Our open rate, click-through rates, the revenue we drive from our email channel that within three months became our number one channel within the organization. And that's what you want to achieve because emails yeah. is something that you, you can control, especially now that we're embarking into that third-party uh, cookie scenario in 2022 and what it's going to look like and it looks a little bit scary so you want to control the controllables that's why the view that you have to have a cdp in the business is more relevant than even before because you want to have control of your customers because the customer acquisition will become way more expensive once that uh, that privacy policy will be in place right and it's coming sooner than later and we need to be prepared for it so CRM is dead, long live CDP, that's what you're saying. That's my view. I mean, I, I agree. I see, like I said, when I when I started looking at CDPs, I, first of all, it took me a while to figure out exactly what they, and I was even talking, I'm not going to mention who they are on here, but talking to some alleged CDP salespeople, I'm kind of like, well, I, I, just tell me what this does. I, how, how does it differ? I'm asking the stupid questions that, the CEOs want to know is like, what's the difference between a CRM and a CDP? Why do I need one? What does this do that that doesn't do? Do I need both? And I couldn't get any answers for a while. I was trying to, which is why I think I've got my definition down pat because I was kind of thinking about it for a long time. It's like in its essence, what 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 does a CRM, what does a CDP do? And when I saw uh, the one that you're using um, was demonstrated to me, a light went on and I'm like, okay, yeah, I've got it. This is, okay, this makes total sense as to the ease at which assuming i'll ask you this you know assuming that everything plugs in because obviously winning software salesmen will show you the demo and like here's all the amazing things you can do and when you try to implement it not quite the same but from the feedback that i've had from the checks i've done actually that that particular platform is pretty good at at surfacing information paul i can tell you all about demos i tell you i sat through 11 of them 10 out of 11, I had to be a rocket scientist to understand what the heck was going on because I couldn't. I said, if I can't understand it, how can I present it to my team and get them to use it? So everything was just so overcomplicated. And I understand why the businesses are quite reluctant to embark on that journey because it is complex. It took a while for you to figure it out. It took a while for me to figure it out. But maybe my Mm. definition wasn't as eloquent as yours because I didn't even contemplate the CRM. I just went straight to CDP just because I was so impressed with what it can do. And I was introduced to it for the first time around four years ago overseas in New York. In one of the Canadian businesses actually showed me how they look after our customers. And it was a simple conversation asking me, can you in five minutes tell me who your top spenders are, how much they spent, when was the last time they shopped with you, on what channel, and where do they live? And I looked at them and was like, are you crazy? Well, I can answer these questions. Hey, it's not one question, it's about 10 questions, I can answer them, but uh, I'll need my BI team to get involved. Then I'm going to receive a comprehensive 
Excel spreadsheet that I won't even know what it means because it will just consist of a data dump and it needs to be interpreted to me. Then I have to interpret it to my team for execution. Then it just doesn't happen because everything is too hard and everyone just moves on. It's like, oh, you know what? Forget about it. Let's just send an EDM to absolutely everyone. And sending EDM to everyone becomes a very expensive exercise. So you just need to be very smart in your approach. It's like, yes, you want to serve customers with the right and relevant information, but also that spread pride has to stop. And this stopped it three years ago. Yeah. I'm laughing because I had I was actually with a client yesterday. He's the GM and I asked that question of like, do you know who your top customers are? Do you know how many of them there are? Do you know how much they spend? And he just started laughing. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you if you ask me this question. I can tell you now. I couldn't before. Yeah, no, I know you can. I know you can. That's why you're here. I love, um, so, um, you know, I felt so stupid because I thought, how can I not know that? I mean, we have in excess of 1.2 million people at that point in time on a database, and I don't even know the answers to such simple questions. I was mm. very embarrassed. So I addressed that as soon as I went back home. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I, I, my suspicion is, and that's with all the topics that we're talking about here, is I kind of suspicion, but I kind of know. There's people sat there. Knowing that like, I should know this stuff, but I don't, but it's just too hard and I don't know what to do. And, and the answers out there in a CRM you know, project is risky, is expensive, and, and there is that, there are actually solutions out there, but they may not know. So that's why I wanted to have this yes. conversation with you. So look, I know we, we talked about it and we, we haven't got much time left, so I just wanted to touch on this because I know when we spoke, because that's a technology solution, right? And, and, and in our business, and I've seen, I've, I've seen this in my whole career, is that technology is just the enabler. Right, it's actually the people that use the technology, and I guess the strategy that sits behind that. That's the difference between winning and losing. Now, I know you mentioned that for you when you when you did this, it was a journey that the business went on. As far as I guess from an education point of view, I guess from a whatever you want to call it, vulnerability, humility point of view, for people to go, yeah, actually, do you know, what? I, I don't know what I'm, not what I'm doing, but you know what I mean? I don't know the answer to these questions and to get them on that journey of all, look, here's a tool that can help you answer all those questions. Can you just tell me a bit about that journey? Because I want to get across to people because we have these conversations a lot of the time. You don't just plug the tech in, switch it on, and suddenly you're making millions of dollars. You actually need to go on a kind of bit of a journey and a transformation within your organization. I was wanting to kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a very good question because I think for your listeners, this is very relevant and very current, right? So and I can only tell you about my experience, but it certainly has been a journey. And with the digital first approach, you almost have no choice but to embark on it and you need to embark on it very relatively fast. So for me, it started, as I mentioned, four years ago, and I had a bit of time to digest it because there were no players on the market that I could pick up the phone and ask how's it going for you. So I had to do a lot of research myself. And at that point in time, we were the public company and I was uh, presenting that to the board. And uh, I've seen different looks around the room and people. And, you know, I read faces very well. So what it told me is like, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about, but uh, I'm too embarrassed to ask any questions because I probably meant to know what you mean, but I don't. But whatever it is, I'm just not understanding. Therefore, I'm going to say no. So I presented about three times on the fourth time saying, okay, well, this is what's going, what it's going to be like. I'm going to launch it and go ahead with that. And then I will build a business case around it just to prove it to you how successful it could be. So we obviously never looked back. But adoption of that model post 
presenting it to the board, I had to sell the dream to the entire team. And it's a big organization. As you know, we have multiple brands, but multiple teams running down. So I had to be become very good friends from anyone from GMs to merchandise planners to property people to IT people very, very quickly because all I was doing, just presenting to them how it will help and make their life easier. And I had to adopt it to their role within the organization. And it took me good four months, but I'm as challenging as it was for me. I'm pleased that I got those people on board because they had a sense of ownership of that platform. They could, they had the time to understand it. They had time to be trained on it. Therefore, it wasn't something that digital just introduced another tool that we meant to use. It's saying, okay, well, what can I make out of it? What does it mean to my business? What questions can I ask so to, to get those answers from? And even, you know, I'll give you a very good example. Well, I have hundreds of examples, but let's just say, with property people that probably are the last people that are going to get involved with the CDP discussion, they got tremendous benefits from having access to the platform because during the pandemic, when they starting, we started to shut down the stores, it was very easy for us to access the audiences of people who were shopping in that store but live in the store nearby that was still open. You know, there were so many intricacies within the business that we, yeah. we were constantly using the platform to get that information. So the store is closed here, but this is how many people shop in there regularly. These particular people live closer to the store nearby. Therefore, we're going to redirect them to that store. And adoption of that approach was huge. We had amazing feedback from customers. We reactivated around 80% of customers that uh, shopped in any particular store. So in real world, it doesn't exist. What exists is you notify your customers that you're, you're shutting down the store and rush to the store to make the purchases because it's going to be shut. And that's the end of it, right? So what is the next step to that experience? This is good for you that you're notifying that you're shutting the store, but what does it mean to customer? That's a lot of inconvenience. So how can you turn it around into a positive experience? So, well, actually, this is where you can shop with us. And there is an online store, yeah. of course, at any moment in time. Yeah. So it is, I agree with you, uh, and you probably see it more often than I do. It is uh, challenging. It's not easy. But you know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But not doing it is not an option anymore. Because if you want to uh, grow your business, if you want to uh, stay engaged with your customers and build the bottom line, you have to do it. Agreed. Now, one final question, and you can include your own in this, for people to go away and have a look at what good looks like for great loyalty programs, where should they go and look? Who's really killing it? There are quite a few. Mecca has a fantastic loyalty program. Country Road does. They're all different, but in the way, they're very engaging. They're iconic. Does. Yeah. There are multiple businesses that are doing an incredible yeah, job. Yeah. But those three, I think that they stand out a lot. Q does have a great program because Shane is doing amazing things in there from a tech point of view and customer engagement point of view. Maya is uh, a embarking and they're finessing they, um, the current membership program. I just spoke to, to them recently and they're doing some great things for their segmentation. So uh, they're finessing that. There, there are quite a few, but I think ultimately okay. it's not looking at competition. It's looking at your customers that shop with you already. What do they do? Sure. Sure. 
Anna, thank you very much. That's been really insightful for me. And it's good to get some, some definitions and some metrics and what good looks like. So thank you very much for coming and joining and solving my loyalty problem. <laughs> my pleasure, Paul. I hope it was uh, of value because uh, you and I can speak for hours about this. It was great. Thanks very much. Thank you. Now, I really enjoyed talking to Anna today. The loyalty conversation has been long overdue, and I think we did get to the bottom of what a loyalty program is, how you do it, and why I need it. If you're interested in learning more about the Realtale Customer Experience Report, just go to www.itworks.company forward slash Realtale, and there you can find more information, some examples of the Customer Experience Report. Thanks.